So this is that story. And we come in later through Christ. We haven't got there yet. But we're seeing an awful lot of hints here that Christ is coming, that God has a plan. So here we are in week 19, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and, and jump in here. And, um, and I'm going to go ahead and read Second Chronicles here. It says, The land enjoyed its Sabbath rests. All the time of its desolation it rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. Jerusalem has been destroyed. That's, what, that's what's happened. God kept speaking to Jerusalem, and he kept saying, I want you to repent. I want you to follow me. I want you to do the right thing, because if you don't, your actions and your practices are going to create a situation where the nations around you are going to come in and wipe you out because you are creating evil, wicked things. And how many of you know when we do evil, wicked things, we start reaping what we sow? Not because God wants to drop the hammer on us. In fact, in the word it says, I, the Lord, hate to bring calamity on anyone. And later, if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, he said, and I never give up on anyone. I never desert anyone completely. He always makes a way back. Okay. But Jerusalem has continued to resist God. And God, if you recall, he said, I am going to deal with you now according to your conduct and your detestable practices. Practices meaning you're doing it again and again and again. This isn't just like, oh, I slipped up one time. No, you have a constant practice of doing this evil things. And so God allowed Babylon to come in and destroy Jerusalem. And Jerusalem lays in ruins for 70 years. And one of the things that's interesting about this, one of the things that had happened that God speaks to is he says, you did not keep the Sabbath, but rather on the Sabbath, you oppressed foreigners and immigrants you were cruel to the poor, and you were greedy, and you were wicked. And for that reason, God says, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to have to destroy Jerusalem. And so he did. And, he, and the land rests for 70 years, and it says here, until the completed time of the Sabbaths. The, the land needed a break from all that wickedness. And so then it becomes fulfilled. And so in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up, and may the Lord their God... Be with them. <laughs> How awesome is that? It's been 70 years. I'm a, I'm a little loud. Can you bring me down just a bit? I feel super echoey. It's been 70 years, and, um, and suddenly now the prophetic words that God gave that he was going to come back and restore Jerusalem and rebuild Jerusalem. He tells him he's going to do it, and bam, come on. When God says he's going to do something, he does it. And what's amazing is that Cyrus, who has been given all of these, all of these things, he actually sees the word and he says, oh, I'm that guy, and I'm going to do it. And, he, and Cyrus recognizes that all the power and all the authority that's been given has been given to him by God. And he says, therefore, I am going to do this very thing. And then he releases the Jews. And the Babylonians carried them off into exile. They've been in exile for 70 years. And now Cyrus, by the word of the Lord, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, releases the Jews to go now and rebuild the temple of the Lord. Come on. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so then he, uh, so then he goes on to say, um, 
Okay, so he releases them, and he says, I'm going to go ahead and paraphrase this part. But he says, okay, now go ahead. Any of you that want to go rebuild, and, and, and here's some money from the treasury, and here's all the articles that have been stolen out of the temple. You guys remember there were all kinds of articles of gold and silver, the, the different utensils used in the temple for sacrifices and to worship the Lord. And so they've been stolen, and they've been kept in Babylon all this time. And Cyrus says, take all that stuff with you, and then also, I'm going to help pay for this. I want you to use money from the royal treasury. Plus, he says, you people of God, those of you that are, that all of you from Judah, all you Israelites that want to go be a part of this, go be a part of this. And also, I'm telling you, you give your gold and silver and your help and go rebuild the temple of the Lord your God. How awesome is that? That's like the president calling us up and saying, hey, church, here's the deal. I heard that you guys got great gospel going on and that you want to help the poor and you want to see the captives go free and you want to, and you want to rebuild the ruined cities. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to give you some money, but I also want you to go and find all the other believers, and then I want you all to get together, pool your money according to what's righteous and good, and do the good work of God. Thus saith President Obama. Right? How cool would that be? You'd just be like, are you kidding me right now? You just gave an edict for us to go rebuild the kingdom? That's amazing. And so that's what they did. That's what they did. So we're going uh, to start off there. And what, what they end up doing is they, they rebuild and they, and they get the foundation set up for the altar. They get the foundation set up for the altar. And here's where it says, and all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and the Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, they wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. And while many others shouted, <laughs> I've never done that before. Okay. When many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard from far away. First of all, I just, this is free, but it was so good I had to say it. When God moves, it's intergenerational. A true move of God is marked by it being intergenerational. At this time, you have the young and the old together, and I want you to catch this. You know, uh, Wendy, that was a good word this morning. There's, a, there's, there's something going on in the air. God is getting ready to move in America right now, and how do I know? Look around at this intergenerational church. Look around at what God's doing, and here's what's interesting. Some people are weeping because they're seeing the culmination of the faithfulness of their prayers and the faithfulness of God to answer them, and they're seeing the foundations being laid for the next great awakening of the Lord God in this earth. And they're weeping because they see that there were promises. You see this? They're weeping. They see the foundation of the earth. It's been 70 years. They see the foundation of the temple being built, and they go, oh my God, this is actually happening. They were carried away into exile by the Babylonians. They have waited for 70 years, and they've prayed, and they've believed, and God is answering their cry, and they see the foundation, and they begin to weep. Because they know that they've been faithful. They know that they believe. They know that God is restoring them and they see the answer to every cry, every prayer, every day that they said, as for me and my house in the midst of Babylon, I will serve the Lord. In the midst of a culture that doesn't believe me, I will serve the Lord. In the midst of godless kings, I will serve the Lord. And now the Lord has sent them back and they're weeping and they're seeing the culmination. And at the same time, the young men and the young women are shouting and saying, great is the Lord. And they're shouting and they're excited and they're being committed missioned to be a part of the next great move of God. Not by themselves, not alone. The old people aren't handing them the torch and dying. They're running together. You guys have heard that word homothumadon? 
rushing forward together as one. Did I say it wrong? Oh, oh well, there you go. Hey, pause. I knew a Greek word that Jason didn't know. It's the best day ever. It's good. It's the only sports thing I know. Okay, back on point. So they're rejoicing together. <laughs> Artists, sports teacher guys, everybody together is rejoicing. So there's a commissioning and there's a culmination in this move of God. And I believe that that's what we're seeing happening in our nation right now, by the way. God is bringing a culmination of the move of God, young and old together, running on together as one. Hallelujah. I just need a shout. Come on, give me a shout. Yay, God! Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So things are rocking and shocking, and then life starts happening. So <laughs> the other people hear the shout. They truly did. They shouted so loud, the other neighbors were like, what is going on? Those bunch of weirdies. And they said, well, I think they're rebuilding the temple. You guys remember. And they started talking. They started talking because the bottom line is the people of God have the favor of God. And when they start building something, the people around them get a little nervous because you know what? These guys remember a time when a little place called Egypt got absolutely wiped out by this great God. So rebuilding his place is not an awesome political idea for all the other people who serve, you know, stone ones that they shape with their own hands. And so they begin to oppose the work. They start bribing officials. They're causing trouble. They're gossiping. They're, it's, a, it's a bummer. And they just slow it down for like six years. And after six years, the people of Israel, the, 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 the Jews, stop building. They stop building. And for 10 years, nothing happens. The foundation's just sitting there, unfinished, and they've stopped building on the temple. They've, they've been through opposition. They've been through political intrigue. They've been through pressure. They've been through threats and temptation. And then finally, they settle into indifference. And they just think to themselves, well, you know what? There's, every time we try to build that temple, every time we try to do something in public and build something that says we serve God, the people get really mad. And so eventually they just back off and everybody starts working on their own house. Selah. Selah means meditate for a moment. That's a Selah moment. Isn't that interesting? The idea of a people, a nation, building as unto the Lord together and according to his purposes ceases. And everyone goes and begins to work on his own house. That sounds like ruggedly independent. That sounds like Oregon. That sounds like America. But God, that dad we just heard about, he sends Haggai. And Haggai comes and says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses 
while this house remains a ruin, the Lord says to the people. It's interesting because God starts with a report on how his people's priorities have shifted. He comes to Haggai and he says, these people are saying that the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. In other words, there's, a, there's God's priorities, the timing about these priorities, the way that we're going to do this, we're going to shift that. We first came to rebuild together, but now it's been 16 years, and for the last 10 years, nothing's been happening on the foundation. We're not running point on making that a priority. We're not, we're not worried about that right now. What we've been worried about is each of us is doing a really good job taking our kids to sports. They're all in three sports. And uh, I'm in a couple of fantasy football leagues and a band. And, uh, and then also I've got my sweet mops group that I, that I meet with, which is awesome. My wife works part time. And um, I don't know why I'm in mops, which is weird because I also work. <laughs> And, um, and so, you know, I've gotten busy. I've got a sweet investment portfolio, and i got a couple of clubs, and then my shows. I love my shows. They're amazing. And, um, and so, anyway, between all of that, I'm super busy. I'm just really, I'm really busy. And the Lord comes in and says, um, are you t- telling me that this is not the time to rebuild my house? Because if you, in case you don't recall, I gave the word through Jeremiah that you were going to go and rebuild the ruins, but you guys are all working on your own houses, and your priorities have shifted. You're not, when you came here a little while ago, 16 years ago, you all brought your silver, you brought your gold, you brought your time, you brought your excitement, you brought your shout, and now you're just like, what is happening here? Well, Lord, I'm, I'm putting a sauna in my house, and I'm totally going to praise you when I'm in it, because saunas are amazing. And he's like, and you know what? I want that for you, son. But my question to you is, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses with saunas while my house remains a ruin? He's asking them, is it appropriate? You notice he didn't say it was wrong for them to have paneled houses. He didn't say, I don't care about your house. He didn't say, go live in a tent. He didn't say, there are poor people in other nations, and so until they're clothed, You don't get to have a house. He didn't say any of that. He said, I want to talk to you about your priorities. I want to talk to you about how this has shifted. And suddenly now, you're not seeking first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. And then these things are added to you. You're adding these things to yourself, and you're not seeking the kingdom of heaven. And so he says to them, I want you to consider this. I love how he talks to them. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. And you put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I I love where he says, I want you to consider how things are going. Danny Silk says, how's that working out for you? All right, how's that working out for you? Yeah, not good. Not good at all. In fact, when I think about it, not good at all at all. I'm working hard. I'm doing a lot of things right. But it's weird. Even the right things I do don't result in right outcomes. The stuff that used to work, that used to did, it now doesn't. That's in the Greek. So this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. See, he doesn't tell them, don't worry about your house. He says, just make sure that your priorities are going towards my kingdom first. 
and then I'm going to bless you. You guys see that? You see, God loves us. He cares about us. What's amazing about it, too, is that he actually, in case you guys didn't know, I was praying this morning, and I, I took a breath, right? And I breathed in some of the air that I created so as to live. Yeah, I created the air, and I breathed it into my lungs and expanded them for my own free will, and my heart beat and kept me alive so that I could do that. But no, none of that happened. He created the air, gave me the breath, gave me the lungs, gave me the ability to even understand that I have breath and lungs. Are you guys with me? Everything that we have, he gave to us. He's the source. And so when the source comes and says, this is how I've created you to be blessed, starting with that, I'm blessing you, and how to be a blessing. I want you to be a blessing, and the way the blessing begins is by you starting, by honoring me in everything that you do. When you do things my way, everyone is blessed. When you do things your way, the blessing decreases, and it's immediately limited, because you are limited. Does that make sense? So he's having this beautiful conversation with Jerusalem in this moment. I love how kind he's being to them, too. He just says, I want you to consider this. Again, much like this father message. There's nothing that you can do that will make me love you less. But let's consider a couple of things. So he speaks to him. He goes on. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. And what you brought home, I blew it away. Now this is kind of intense. God just said, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. How many people are busy? I know, now you're scared to raise your hand. You're like, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> We're all busted. We're all busted. Lord, it's just I'm so busy. Okay. Anyway, why? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. And therefore, because of you, ouch, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the, what's that word? All the labor of your hands. I'm actually stopping things from producing as they were designed to produce. I want to ask you guys a question right now. We're considering some of these words. Who has all the authority on the earth now? Who? The Lord. That's true. And where is he? You guys are so quiet. It's not a trick question. He's in heaven. Jesus went up to the heaven. He's by, he's by God. God's in heaven. Now the Holy Spirit is here with us. The Holy Spirit's here with us. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Remember when he, raised, he was raised from the dead? And he said, therefore, go and make disciples, commanding them to do everything. I'm sorry, teaching them to do everything I've commanded you. Not commanding them. Take that, but just whoever heard that and liked it, repent. I am so sorry. <laughs> teaching them to do everything he commanded all of us. All right. Woo, that was a close one right there. I almost got drunk with power. I'm over it now. Yeah. All right teaching them to do everything that I've commanded. And he says this, and I go to be with the Father, and therefore you will do greater things than I did. That's what Jesus said. So who on earth has all the authority here? We do. We do. Adam and Eve had all the authority on earth. And when they disobeyed God, what happened? Yeah, the devil got all the authority, and the earth was cursed because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. Here's the deal. We love the idea of having authority, but sometimes we might get a little less like 
not pragmatic, but practical, a little less practical when we start realizing that that means when we do dumb things, when we do selfish things, when we do things outside of God's way of doing things, it actually creates poverty. And we're responsible for that. See, we want to be able to be free, but then we don't want to take responsibility for the fact that we actually have responsibility and our bad behaviors and decisions can create blessing or somebody whispered it and it's just true you can say it yeah the power of life and death is in the tongue those who understand it will eat its fruit both powers are there it's the same thing with our obedience when we're obedient unto the lord it creates blessing when we're disobedient unto the lord it creates a curse are you guys hearing this All right, so these guys are in the middle of creating a curse, and God says, I want you to examine your ways because you're clearly doing something that keeps being a real bummer, not just for you, but everybody that's around you. So then he says to them, repent and get your priorities back in line with mine. And you know what they do? They repent Come on, hallelujah. Much like we do, come on, hallelujah. And they get back to doing business God's way. And they begin to rebuild the temple. They begin to to reprioritize and seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first what God wants to do to fulfill his promise. Why? Because we're created to be a blessing and they begin to be a blessing. And God says this to them. This is so cool. He says, as they began to build, the word of the Lord comes through Haggai again. And Haggai comes and he speaks this word, and this is from God to them now that they've reprioritized. He says, now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one one stone was laid on another. We're going to try again. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. And consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures... There were only 10. And when when anyone went to, to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, and yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Now, how many of us understand this today, okay? This is very practical for us today. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He said, don't run after riches and clothes and wonder about what will we eat and where will we live and all those different things. He said, my Father in heaven knows that you need them, and he cares for you. He takes care of the fields, the grass, the birds. He certainly loves you more than birds, And if you seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added to you. So he's saying, it's about you prioritizing. You're already dependent upon me for everything that you have. And the power that I'm giving you is either use what you have to create more blessing in the earth, or if you don't do that, you'll actually create poverty for yourself and others. You will become, instead of the conduit of my blessing, you will become in conflict with my blessing, you'll actually kink up the deal. You will actually stop blessing. I know, right? It's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. It is. But here's the beauty of it. He gave you everything you have anyway. He gave me everything that I own anyway. Everything I have came from him. So when I'm obeying him according to his priorities, all that I'm doing is doing things his way with his stuff. Did you catch that? It's all his stuff. 
It's funny, how, it's funny how we get confused about that, isn't it? We get confused. We're like, well, this is my stuff. You, you, God's got his stuff. You got your stuff. I got my stuff. And God goes, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> the earth is mine, says the Lord. It all belongs to me. And I've entrusted authority to you. And I want to see what you'll do with it. I want you to be a blessing just like me. And as you are, I want to increase how much of a conduit you get to be. But here's the deal, and I love that word Josh brought earlier this morning. He was praying for his son. He said, my son, speaking to Jackson, I will give you everything that you could possibly want up to the level that it doesn't become hurtful to you. And this is God's heart for us. I will give you everything that you want up to the level that it doesn't become hurtful for you. And in this regard, the provision of the Lord for his people Jerusalem if he continued to bless them while they're missing the priorities of heaven, the blessing actually becomes hurtful because then they think, oh, I'm doing this. Oh, I'm the boss of stuff. I'm the one that gives myself the ability to create wealth and make a profit. No, the Bible says it is God who gives us the ability to work and make a profit. You guys with me? Isn't this good? All right, so God is saying to them, listen. This is hurting you. You're missing the point. You're off, you're off the mark. It's been 16 years, and the temple's still sitting there with a half-finished foundation. So now they've changed. They've repented, and God says, now, listen. He says, now, consider this. Give careful thought again to the difference now that you've begun to do this. So used to be, with what you had, you didn't have enough. You weren't using what you had to extend my kingdom work, and yet even with holding that back, holding back, the amount that I asked you to give unto the kingdom, seek first the kingdom, you kept that. So you should have more, right? Is this hard to understand? You should have more. But every time you go check, there's actually less. So the Lord is like, on your own, apart from my kingdom program, you do less with more. You guys with me so far? So when we disobey God, when we step out of the way he does business, we actually do a whole lot less with what should be a whole lot more because we kept his portion. For ourselves to do what we want sauna okay and God says but here's the weird thing you actually have less to work with even though you're keeping more he says now consider this now that you've put the priorities back and you're bringing your time and your gold and your silver and getting back on my priorities for seeking first my kingdom and in this case it's building a temple he says watch what happens you're actually gonna do more with less how many of you know that if you take your first fruits, which is a tenth, which is a principle that's been given to us since Abraham when he gave it to Melchizedek before the law, when it was done by um, Jacob, when it was done again and again and again and again, we see the tithe that was set out. It's a tenth. It means tenth. And you take that first tenth and you give it to the Lord for his kingdom purposes. How many of you know that 100% minus 10% equals 90%? Anybody confused about that? So that's less than 100%. Are you with me? Here's the wild thing. When you do with your finances what God has called us to do and shown us the principle from righteous Abraham until now, and we're sons and daughters of Abraham, right? Is anybody here not a, you remember the song, Father Abraham had many sons, right? In him we will be blessed. Well, Father Abraham tithed. He gave us a principle of giving the first fruits unto the Lord. And we see it carried out all the way through Jesus who said, you should not neglect this small matter as well as the large matter. So this is just kindergarten for believers as you honor him with your first fruits, which is a tenth. That leaves you 90%, which is less. But in God's economy, and he's saying this to us just the same as he said to them, 
you'll do more with less. Are you with me? Isn't he good? Now, how is that possible? How is that possible? How does that work? Well, I would ask you the same question probably that God asked Job. Where were you when I created the universe and measured it out in the span of my hand? Where were you when I created the Bahamath who stands in the Nile and it flows into his mouth and his tail swings like a mighty cedar? That wasn't no hippopotamus. Where were you? Will you tame the Leviathan who breathes fire and sparks shoot out from his mouth? Tangle with him once. If you live to tell of it, you will never do it again. <laughs> he is our God. He is the provision. He is the provider. One of his names is providence. So when he says, I created you to be a blessing, and the way that I've done that is that you take your first fruits and you bring it into the storehouse and you trust me with it that my kingdom would advance and we would equip the saints together and do benevolent works and that I would be honored in both your heart and others, I'm telling you that everywhere you look, you'll see my blessing and you will be wealthy. You will do more with less. But if you want to keep that back, the Lord says, the tithe belongs to me. He says, if you want to keep that back, consider your ways. And here's the funny thing, right? How many of us have had this argument with the Lord? It's like, Lord, I don't tithe right now. And I really haven't done that. I mean, I throw in a 20 now and then because you're real good and such. But, um, but Lord, I already don't have enough. So if I start giving you money when I already at the end of each month am short, I'm kind of feeling like, I mean, I'm not awesome at math. <laughs> but that doesn't seem like it's going to work. But what the Lord is saying is the same thing to us that he's saying to the Israelites then. And he's saying, consider your ways. You should have had 50, but you've only got 20. You should have had more, but you've always got less. You're taking what's mine, and you would think you would have more because of that. But I'm actually telling you that you're creating a curse in your own life. Because you're not seeking first the kingdom of heaven and my righteousness. You're seeking first your own household, your own priorities, and everything in your life is going that direction. And you yourself are bringing lack into your life. You've got to trust the God that created the heavens and the earth with a word that he will create actual wealth, which is health, spiritual health, and that that money that all belongs to him, that that 90% will not only be better than the full 100%, it will go beyond it. And he says, test me in this. He's in in, uh, in uh, Malachi, he says, test me in this. See if I don't pour out blessing on you when you do this. Here he's saying to them, consider with me from this point on, as you begin to be obedient unto my priorities, the Lord says in rebuilding the temple, notice how things shift and watch this. He says, from this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. You cut off blessing because you were outside of my priorities. But from this day on, as you've now changed, you've shifted. You're obeying me. You don't have enough right now. Well, we know why. We just figured that out. We've considered that together. But now you're obeying me in this matter. Now from this day, watch what I do. All right, so now we're going to cover some ground. You guys ready? 
Okay, so they repent. These guys are awesome. They're just like us. When we hear that we're wrong, we repent, we turn around, we go the other way, right? Okay, so they do. They're like, oh, Lord, I've been totally doing things my own way, and I'm sorry, and let me reprioritize. And so they did what they, what they were called to do. They brought their time, they brought their effort, they brought their money, and they start building, and immediately opposition comes up. And uh, Mr. Tatane writes a letter, and I paraphrased it because it was a long one. So he says, Dear King Darius, who says the Jews can rebuild the temple? They said it's okay, and that King Cyrus told them to take the articles from the king's treasury and then build a temple for God. But we don't like it. It seems good to, if it seems good to you, O king, please check the archives and find out if they're lying or if King Cyrus really did say they could. Your humble servant, Tatane, which is Greek for tattletale. It's the original. I don't know if you saw that, but I did a little studying. Okay, it was, I liked this corner right here. Thank you. Thank you right here. The rest of you, come on. Every time I plan a joke, I cannot stick the landing. God. All right, so he, he sends that letter, and here's what's amazing, because Darius, Cyrus has now died, and he's with the Lord. I don't know where he is. He might be with the Lord. He's, he's not alive, though. And so King Darius is now in power, and so Tatane, who's the governor of Trans-Euphrates, is talking smack and trying to shut down this work, so he sends the letter. Here's the response. Ezra, 5-6, memorandum. I love this. In the first year of King Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Darius sent the scholars to go check it out in the archives. And this is the answer. And he says, let the temple be rebuilt as a place to present sacrifices. And let its foundations be laid. It is to be 60 cubits high, 60 cubits wide, with three courses of large stones and one of timbers. The costs are to be paid by the royal treasury. What? Did you catch that? And he says also, the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, are to be returned to their palaces, I'm sorry, their places, <laughs> in the temple in Jerusalem. And they are to be deposited in the house of God. Now then, Tatanai, Tattletale, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shether Bozani, which is the original root word for bozo, come on. And you <laughs> other officials of that province, province, stay away from there. I love this. Do not interfere with the work on this temple of God. And let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on its site. Moreover, listen to this. I hereby decree what you're to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of this house of God. Their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of trans-Euphrates, so the work will not stop. Bam! I mean, what? Like, that is, that is so cool. How cool is that? You realize that the guy that was being a curse to Jerusalem now has to pay the bills? This reminds me of that same promise in Solomon. It says that if a thief is caught stealing, he has to repay seven times what he stole. You know God does the same thing to the enemy. You remember in Psalms, uh, it's, uh, it's actually Asaph, he writes a psalm and he says, I almost became like a brute beast. I almost became absolutely wicked and stupid, I'm paraphrasing. And he said, and had I said in the house of the Lord, what good is it for the righteous to even serve God? I would have I stumbled the little ones of the house. I'm glad I didn't do that. He said, but then I entered into the house of the Lord and I realized that the wicked are on a slippery slope and they're simply storing up riches to be given to the poor, and to the righteous. You see, there are some of us here that we do need to realize if we're in a place where we're used to spending God's money like it's our money and managing his stuff like it's our stuff, and our heart is hard and we're not even convicted anymore, 
There is a scripture for that. I'm not trying to be heavy-handed. I'm just saying, let's just not get there. But I have met people that are like, I do things my own way, and God's totally blessing me. And it's like, yeah, there's a scripture in there that says that he stores up righteous, I mean, the wicked riches, and then gives it to someone who will do stuff his way. So if you're in a place where you're like, I have heard this sermon a million times, and I am not tithing. I don't care. I'm talking my way out of it. I do it every time. It's just how I do. Shut up. Grace, grace, grace. I'm just saying that it would be important to at least take this before the Lord, our good God who says, listen, I created you to be a blessing, and I want you to be a blessing. Will you at least be willing to consider that your way, there either somehow never seems to be enough the way you're doing it now. And this is one of the few places where the Lord actually says, test me in this and see if I don't begin to show you what blessing looks like. Isn't that amazing? And I will be strong in this because there's no condemnation. This isn't condemnation. But I would say, Lord God, please, if my heart is in a place where I actually am removed from even hearing you to convict me that everything belongs to you and you actually have a way to prioritize life and I'm taking your tithe when you said the tithe belongs to me and I spend it however I want and I'm not even convicted anymore, would you please talk to my heart about that? Because I certainly don't want to become someone who stored up wealth and then you actually required life of me. Jesus told a parable. He told a parable. And he said, there was a certain man, and he had a great harvest. And he said, good, I'm totally rich now. I'll build an extra barn and put all of my wealth in it. And I will eat and drink and be merry. And the Lord demanded his life of him that night and said, you fool, now he will get your riches. There is a way for us to manage the blessing God's given us, and may we all do it. And may we not be like those who store up wealth for someone else, because the truth is God wants to bless you a whole lot more than you are blessed right now. Not just so you can have money in your bank account, though that's, that's, that's an important, a wise man does save, okay? That's a part of what you do. But because he wants us to be a conduit of his blessing in so many ways. If just America would prioritize, if just America would prioritize and everyone who believes in Christ right now actually brought their tithe to the storehouse, we could actually fund and end world hunger just with 330 million people. All of us aren't saved, but just with those that are, that are Christians. That's how much money is in Christian hands. Our, 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 our arguments start to pale a little bit when we begin to think about that. When we begin to think about that. So there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he is so kind. It's his kindness that leads to repentance. But in the same way that we see God work in this way, wouldn't it be neat to see him work in our lives? in the places where we've cut off being a blessing and we've made our own priorities our own, what would it look like in your life to begin to shift this and to trust the God that created everything? That maybe he wants more for you than survival. Maybe he wants more for you than where you currently are. So as the scripture says, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. He says all these things will also be added to you. It's a good word, isn't it? So, Father, today, we thank you that in seeing how you moved in the lives 
of, 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 the, of the Jews as they obeyed you. You were so kind and so patient and you showed them exactly where they were going wrong. And then they made the adjustment and then you came through and proved yourself faithful. You're the God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. And we know that as we bring our lives, every part of them, our time, our finances, our hearts, our words, our lives, and give them unto you, you will prove yourself faithful. And we look forward to that. I pray for courage for each of us to break all poverty thinking off of our lives and become a blessing that you would be glorified in all the earth. I ask this in Jesus' name, and I thank you. Amen. I'd love to have the prayer servant team come forward. If you need healing in your body, if you need encouragement, if you need just whatever you need, the prayer servant team is here to pray for you. They'll be here in the wings. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. If you're here for the first time, I'm going to be in the back there by that little table with the flowers on it. I'd love to shake your hand and give you a free book.